Thank you for taking the time to view this message online. You can connect with us more through our comments section of this video, through our Facebook page, or through our website, nhgj.org. We're going to spend the next couple of weeks talking about knowing and doing the will of God, which I know is a really big kind of topic to try and grasp and, and comprehend, but I think it's something good for us to think about, especially coming up off of the heels of Easter weekend. You know, Easter, we, we discussed uh, really the gospel message, what, what Jesus came to do, what he did, what he's done in all of us. If you've never heard that gospel message before, I encourage you to, to find a Christian, find a Christian church, find a Bible and read that gospel message or learn about that gospel message. But if you are a Christian and have been, and you're, you're familiar with that message that, that Christ is our Savior, that really leaves us with a lot of implications. You know, that's not just something that we take and believe and understand, and then it's just a part of our life. That, that message really becomes all of us. Um, so uh, coming up on the heels of, of talking about uh, the gravity of that message on Easter Sunday when, when Christ rose from the grave, uh, I, I wanted us to talk about what it looks like really to be a Christian in knowing Christ's will and doing Christ's will. Um, you know, we, we call ourselves Christians, which means Christ followers. You know, we are disciples of Christ, which means we are seeking to do what he wants, you know, and we are living our lives in that way. So like I said, this is, again, a big topic to grasp, and it's very personal and very individual to all of us. And, it, and I struggled to think of something, you know, very broad of, of that, that would apply to everyone, of this is how to know and discern God's will, because I think it'll look very different for each of us, um, but there are some aspects to discerning his will uh, that apply on a broad level. But I can give you my own life and my own walk with the Lord uh, as an example of what that could perhaps look like for you, if not all the way through, at least in a couple different aspects. Uh, so, first of all, you should, you should I, I just want to preface with uh, one, one thing, really, um, and that is that um, talking about uh, things like knowing God's will and doing God's will especially can bring up conviction in us because sometimes it, it leaves us with this feeling that we haven't really been thinking about Christ enough or taking our relationship with him all that seriously. And then when uh, that conviction comes, I know in myself, I, I'm often uh, <laughs> drawn to, to this um, sort of sort of blame casting or, or attention shifting, I guess is what you could call it, where uh, when something really hits a little too close to home and I find it a little convicting, I start to think about all the other people that it applies to. And I stop looking objectively at my life and I stop thinking about how this applies to me and I start thinking about how it applies to others, which is not a good thing to do. <laughs> so I wanna encourage you that, that in preparing this, though it is challenging in some areas, I want you to know that that I tried very hard to think only of my life, and I, I did uh, think only of my life um, in, the, in the areas that the Lord has challenged me. And I encourage you, too, as you listen, to do the same, to not think about how this applies to others, but really look at your own life and, and see what the Lord may want to reveal in you. Um, so with that said, let's go ahead and, and just pray, and, uh, and then we'll dive into the Word this morning. So Heavenly Father, we're just so grateful uh, for the opportunity to come before you, to learn about you, to grow deeper in relationship with you. I pray that 
um, you would be with us, me as I speak now, and, and, and to whoever is watching, that you would be with them as they listen, Lord. We just are so grateful for your will and how gracious you are in revealing it to us uh, and welcoming us into it. So we praise you, and in your name, amen. All right, so like I said, uh, this is in large part a, a testimony. This is uh, my, uh, a lot of what the Lord has revealed to me in my own life. And really, I would say in my, my own walk, it's looked uh, kind of like this, this linear path um, from desiring to know God's will, to knowing God's will, to then desiring to do God's will, and then doing God's will. Right? And this path may look different for, for individuals, but this is what it has looked like for me. And really, before I even got to that place of, of a desire to know God's will, um, God had, had to bring me to that place uh, through uh, humility. Uh, so that, that's really where, where my Christian walk started, um, was in a very nominal place, I would say. <laughs> I, wasn't, um, I wasn't really zealous for the Lord most of my life. I had uh, grown up in church, and I had uh, claimed to be a Christian, um, but really most of my life was about my will and what I had wanted to do. And I, I was living a very comfortable Christian life where it wasn't so much that I existed to serve Christ's will and his purposes, it was more that he existed for me and my purposes. So um, it wasn't until the last couple years that the Lord really just filled me with this zeal for him and desire to know him and bring him glory um, and, and honor and just praise him. Um, but all through high school and, and early on in college, uh, Christianity was, was really just a title for me. Um, and if you c couldn't tell by, by the way I look, I am a pretty young guy. I'm, I'm fresh out of college. So this is all fairly recent that the Lord has done this in my life. Um, but uh, again, yeah, Christianity w was really just this comfortable feeling of, of being that, uh, or, or it was more about uh, feeling comfortable that I was this good person. Um, and then it wasn't until my sophomore year of college that um, Christ reached me for whatever reason. I, I can't explain it. Um, but I, I really read uh, through my Bible one day. I was, uh, or, or I didn't necessarily read. Um, I was uh, cleaning. I, I was the janitor at this church um, for, for a couple of years. And I, I can't remember for whatever reason, I just decided one day that I was just going to listen to the Bible. Like usually I would just listen to podcasts and different things. And then one day I decided I was just going to listen through the book of Matthew. Um, and while I did, uh, the recording of Matthew is going on, and then it hits Matthew chapter 7, uh, verse 21. Some of you know it's coming. And, uh, and then the conviction from the Spirit really began to set in. Uh, this is a challenging verse. It goes like this, uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. It says, uh, this is Jesus speaking. Uh, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now, to give a little bit of context to that passage, that comes from a section of scripture called the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and in Matthew, it's coming up on the tail end of Jesus talking about false prophets. So he's talking about people within the church that claim to be Christians. They claim to, to know Christ, to speak on his behalf, um, 
but he says there aren't there you will know them by their lack of fruit so there won't be fruit in their lives there won't be good things coming out of their lives um, and then he says to those people that that claim to know him but but live without any fruit coming out of their lives he says uh, not all who say lord lord or claim to know me will enter the kingdom but only those who do the will of my father who is in heaven and this passage also has as a, a sister passage or a similar passage in in Luke, in the Luke version of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and Jesus says pretty much the same thing, but in, in that scenario, he's speaking to the crowd, the people before him, uh, not necessarily false prophets, just people who, who claim to be his followers, who, who are saying that they're, they're Christian disciples, or, or they're Christians and they're discipled by Christ and they call him Lord, Lord, but there might not be fruit in their lives. So this is a really challenging uh, verse for us. It's a scary verse. Uh, but it's the good kind of scary. It's a, it's a verse that many of us have to face at some point in our Christian walk. Um, and this is the first time that it, that it really clicked for me that perhaps I wasn't um, all that justified before Christ. So I would suggest, you know, if you haven't encountered, you know, that reality before, and this is kind of the first time that's hitting you, uh, be encouraged. Uh, know that the Lord approves the ones he loves, um, but also don't regard that lightly. Uh, you know, uh, take that uh, and, and do something with it. Don't just leave it. So that was where I was. I was a nominal Christian, um, and I, w- I was living for myself. And then the Lord uh, revealed to me that just because I said I was a Christian didn't mean that he was all that pleased with me, that I had to do the will of a father and he had to know me. Uh, and I, I hadn't really done the will of the Father. I had pretty much just done the will of me. Uh, so this was scary. And again, like I said, the good kind of scary because it brought me to repentance, which I believe is the most appropriate way to respond when we realize we haven't really been taking Jesus all that seriously. So um, if you've claimed to be a Christian um, or, or you, you've thought you were a Christian, but you weren't actually living for Christ, you, you didn't believe that Christ was your everything, you know, and you existed to glorify him, uh, then it's time to, to start taking Jesus seriously and to know that he is the reason we exist. And, and doing his will should be our sole desire. Um, so if you haven't been in that place before, I encourage you, uh, just repent of that. Christ is so gracious if you come before him and just, just tell him, Lord, I, I don't want to live like this anymore. I, w- I want to be all in for you. Uh, and then, you know, repentance isn't just saying that, it's doing that. You have to, you have to be all in. Um, so when we have knowledge, uh, like that scripture, when we have knowledge that it takes uh, doing the will of the Father, uh, we're left with a bit of a choice. Uh, and, and this is, you know, kind of up for debate. Uh, and, and if you disagree with me, that's 100% okay. Um, but I think this is, this is one of the only choices that we have as humans. I believe this, that, um, you know, we have a choice to either follow Christ or a choice to not follow Christ. Uh, and in Romans 6, it says we're either a slave to sin or we're a slave to righteousness. So again, it's up for debate, but I would say our free will, our will, our choice is limited in as much as we get to choose who we want to be a slave to. I believe I can either be a slave to Christ, a slave to the Spirit, a slave to righteousness, or I'm a slave to sin. And I can look at every decision I make and it's either going to tell me who I'm bound to, who, who I'm, I'm committed to, to living for, either Christ 
or for sin. So um, with that, I realized uh, that I wanted to make the choice to, to be a slave to righteousness, to the Spirit, to, to live for the Spirit. And I realized I needed to start praying like crazy to know God's will and what His will is for my life. You know, in that prayer, uh, I can't say that it was, it was all that humble to begin with. You know, it, it began with, Lord, I want to do great things for you. Show me what, what your will is for my life so that I can do things for you, so I can give up my life for you. And you might notice in that prayer, there might not be anything that doesn't sound initially bad. Um, but I can tell you, because I know myself, when I was praying that, um, it was really out of pride. <laughs> and that's a dangerous place to be when you're, when you're praying to God. And when you want to know God's will, if you're doing it with a prideful attitude, I'm not all that confident that God is going to reveal that to us. Um, so again, it doesn't initially sound bad, but, but like I said, it was very prideful. If, if you were listening closely, you heard it was a lot of me's and my's, like I want to do great things with my life, which is perhaps what I thought before, but now because I wanted to live for God and do His will and be saved by Him, I was, I was wanting to do it for Him, quote-unquote, I guess you could say. And, uh, and I was praying, Lord, show me what your will is for my life. I, I want to do great things for you. Uh, and it was a very prideful attitude that I had toward him. Uh, and if you've been a Christian, you may have, uh, or, or been, been in the church for a while, you may have uh, heard this before, that pride is the root of all sins. Um, you know, C.S. Lewis has a chapter in Mere Christianity called The Great Sin, and it's all about pride uh, and, and how pride, every sin stems uh, from pride. And we look at the beginning of sin's entry into the world, and we look at uh, the garden with Adam and Eve, and, and God created them to glorify Him, to, to take what He had made and use it to glorify Him. And what they chose to do instead was to, to be like Him, is what they had desired. They, they wanted the glory. You know, so that's what all of sin is, is just taking, instead of glorifying God, it's taking glory for ourselves. You know, and this is kind of what my prayer was leading to, is I, I wanted to be, have glory in my life. Um, but the Lord uh, worked in me, and, and as I said, pride is the root of all sins. So what then would be the, pri the root of uh, all goodness, all, all good deeds, would be humility. Um, and this is something that the Lord did in me, is He humbled me. Uh, and, and really just through discipleship and through knowing Him and pursuing His Word, as we see uh, in Christ's life, He ultimately revealed that, was that as we uh, rejected Him, as we... Uh, rejected his image that he gave us to go live uh, this prideful life where we're trying to bring glory for ourselves. Instead, he, as holy, perfect, wonderful God, subjected himself to the, to the lesser likeness of man and lived a humble servant life um, to show us what humility looks like and how all good things can only come out of humility. Nothing good can come out of an attitude of pride. So I would suggest that if you want to know God's will, for your life, if you want to know what He wants you to do, uh, it's really important to ask ourselves why, uh, why we want to know. Because unless we want to know uh, for the sake of His glory, then I have my doubts that He's going to tell us, right, or reveal that to us. You know, He doesn't want us to do anything. If all it's going to do is build us, 
build us up, to, to cause us to be boastful, to cause us to be arrogant. Um, everything we do has to be for the sake of his glory. Uh, so then uh, God did various things through various people in various ways. Um, but the most important way I would say that, that he really humbled me was uh, through revealing uh, his sovereignty and, and growing my understanding of his, his sovereignty, which is just so insane. I mean, you take a, a step out into nature, you go anywhere, and you look at God's creation and you think this perfect and holy God created all of this. He's just so magnificent. You know, he, he created this entire universe, all these things to bring him glory in every, down, every single detail is just magnificent. One of my favorite quotes is, is uh, by Isaac Newton, who uh, discovered the laws of gravity. Uh, and he was talking about the universe and he says, gravity uh, propels, uh, uh, propels the planets into motion, but it gives no account for who set them into motion. I probably butchered that, but it was something along those lines. Uh, I think it's just uh, so mind-boggling to think about all the complexity of God's creation and how he reigns over all of it. Uh, and this sovereignty, this understanding of his magnitude, his grandeur, is really what humbled me uh, when I came before him and started asking to know his, his, his sovereign will. Uh, so this leads us into to kind of another segment, and this is understanding uh, God's sovereign will for the world, uh, which really helps us to understand his individual will for us. Um, so uh, it is uh, God's sovereign control of all things, and we'll call this the sovereign will, or it's also called the will of decree. Uh, this will cannot be broken. It always comes to pass. Uh, in Daniel 4, uh, 4.35, it says, He does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of earth. And none can say his hand, uh, none can say his hand or say to him, what have you done? Uh, so this is God's ultimate will for all of his creation, for the whole world. And it's something that we can't change. You know, Matthew 26.39 is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says, uh, or, or, sorry, he's uh, speaking to God. He's praying to the Father. He says, uh, prior to going up to the cross, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Uh, what does the will of God refer to in this verse? It refers to God's sovereign plan of what will happen in the coming hours. And God's sovereign will is over even the tiniest details. It says in Matthew 10, 29, not one sparrow uh, falls to the ground apart from the Father in heaven. So God knows of all the intricacies of the world, from the grand things to even the, the smallest things, all of these uh, play into his sovereign will. And this often isn't all that clear to us. Uh, these are the things that are going to happen without us. Uh, God's will is going to be done. And it can be confusing and hard to understand why these things come. Uh, but we can take comfort in knowing uh, why God's will is the way it is. Uh, God's will is for the purpose of his glory. And we talked a little bit about that just a second ago. Uh, but when we acknowledge that everything happens for his glory, it becomes more practical to us. And we start, stop praying that uh, God do great things through me and start praying that God be glorified through my life. And this was very much what he did in my life. Um, 
So uh, it, it went from a, a posture of, Lord, do, do these amazing things for me. I want to I do these things for you, but really so that I look like this amazing Christian, uh, to starting to pray, God, I want you to be glorified through my, my life. I want you to be glorified by the things that I do. Uh, and this, this reveals a, a better understanding of his sovereign will. It's not necessarily that we understand his plans and, and how, we, how we play into them. That's something that often he doesn't reveal to us. But if we understand why they happen, it, it leads us to this posture of humility. Um, so from there, uh, there's another meaning of the will of God. And in the Bible, we call this uh, the will of command. Uh, this is what God commands us to do. This is a little more clear to us, a little more practical. And again, it's for his glory. All of this, all of creation was designed to bring him glory. Uh, so God gives us these commands and often, uh, most often we see them in the Bible. Uh, and these are the things that he explicitly commands us to do. Uh, and this, will, this, this is the will of God that we can disobey. This is the will that we can fail to do. Again, like I said, we have a choice to be either a slave to sin or a slave to, the, to righteousness. Uh, so this plays into this will of command. Is we have uh, what, what God tells us explicitly that he wants us to do. And we could choose to not do it, to sin, or to do it, um, to be righteous. Uh, and the will of decree, or uh, the will of command, uh, we do whether we believe in it or not. Uh, the, will of, uh, the will of command, we, we can fail to do. It's something that we can, we can choose not to do. Um, and we go back to, to Matthew 7.21, uh, when it says, uh, Not all who say, Lord, Lord, only those who do the will of the Father. So if you fail to do the will of the Father, uh, you know, you, you've broken a will of, or, or you fail to do a will of command. Um, so uh, this leads us into uh, Romans 12, 1 through 2, which I think gets us closer to this place of, of trying to understand what God's will is for our life, which I know is so complex. But Romans 12, 1 through 2 says, um, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is acceptable and perfect. So the transformation of the renewal of our minds. Uh, if you think about this, think about this in John's, John Piper's words. Uh, if you want to know the future details of God's will of decree, uh, you don't want a renewal of your mind. You want a crystal ball. Uh, this is not called transformation and obedience. It's called divination and soothsaying. So if you want to know God's sovereign will, if you want to know his, his grand plan for the world, uh, you're, you're not asking for a transformation of the renewal of your mind. You, you want to know what's going to come next. You, you don't want the mystery of what God's plan is. Um, but really, we should be praying for uh, God's will of command. So how does this transformation happen? How can we be uh, living sacrifices acceptable to God? Uh, well, I find it helpful to not think too far ahead, uh, but to be obedient to what the Bible says to do and the things that it says 
not to do. And this can be pretty obvious, and this is a simple place to come to, but it's littered all over the Bible where it says uh, things that we should do and things we shouldn't do. Things like don't live in sexual immorality, don't lie, uh, don't be boastful, you know, things like that. Those are things we shouldn't do. And things we should do is, you know, care for the poor among you, is servanthood. This is another example. Um, that after uh, Jesus washed the feet of the disciples, this happened in John, uh, he washed their feet and he, he modeled servanthood for them. And he said, uh, the servant is not greater than his Lord, master, neither uh, he that is sent than he that sent him. Then he says, uh, happy are you if you do them. Uh, so this is an example of where Christ gives us a moral thing that we can do. We can serve one another. We can be servants. Um, he gives this, this moral thing we can do. On this passage of scripture, Francis Schaeffer, uh, the theologian, uh, said, Note that Jesus says, if we do these things, there will be happiness. It is not just knowing them, but doing them. Again, not just knowing his will, but doing it. Uh, throughout Jesus' teaching, no, teaching, know and do occur constantly and always in that order. We cannot do until we know, but we cannot know without doing. So this gives us a, a picture of kind of the cycle of knowing and doing. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, another German theologian, uh, says this another way. Uh, only the obedient have faith and only those with faith obey. Uh, so what both of these, these people are talking about is that uh, knowing Christ, knowing, or, or, sorry, knowing God's will uh, often starts with a step of obedience. And that leads to faith or knowing Christ. Uh, so we take a step of faith, uh, we take a step of obedience, and that leads to faith. And then that faith leads to another step of obedience, and that leads to more faith. And I believe that this is the transformation of the renewal of our minds, going around and around in obedience and faith, in knowing and doing, in doing because we know, and knowing because we do. This is how our minds are transformed more in the image of Christ. Uh, so we have these moral things that the Bible tells us to do and not to do, but Christ also places us in situations, right? We have these things that, that he says, do this, don't do this. But then he also takes us in real life and he, and he puts us in places and we're forced to make a decision about them to either be obedient or disobedient. Uh, and again, uh, the, the theologian Bonhoeffer says this about, about those instances. He says, Jesus calls us into concrete situations in which we can believe in him or know him. That is why he calls us in such concrete ways and wants to be understood because he knows people will become free for faith only in obedience. So now we're at this place where we're uh, a little bit able to discern God's will, or at least know why His will is the way it is, is the way it is. Uh, and we, we know His word. We know if we want to know His, his will for us, we have to, to seek His word um, so we can follow His moral will. Uh, and then we also know He puts us into situations where we're forced to take the step of obedience or disobedience. And it comes to counting the cost. And we'll pick up on that next week as we discuss more about doing, which is what I'm really excited about next week, is just stirring one another up toward love and good deeds. Um, but really, to get there, I think we really just need to think about, do we want to know the will of God? Uh, do we have this desire to know? Do we understand that if I don't do His will, the future is bleak for me? Um, 
So from there, we'll pick up next week. But, but really, just to recap, uh, true Christianity demands both new, knowing and doing. Uh, and if you found yourself in a, in a place like me where I was really living for myself, I claimed Christ, uh, but I wasn't living for His will, I was living for my own, and I wasn't doing what He asked, I was doing what I wanted, then the most appropriate thing we can do is repent, is just apologize, ask for His grace that He's, he's so good to offer, uh, and then start living a life just fully submitted to His will. Uh, and then also if you find yourself in a position where you're, where you're praying to God and to know His will for the sake of your own glory, as I did for myself, I'd say the most appropriate thing to do is, is just to, to ask for humility, which again is, is a scary thing, but it's a good kind of scary, uh, where we're asking the Lord to humble us for the sake of His glory um, and, and to pray that, that we wouldn't want ourselves to be glorified by doing great things for Him, uh, but that we would seek only uh, only His glory. Uh, and then as we go through this proce- process of the transformation, of the renewal of our minds, which is, which is something that's so big and confusing, um, I pray that uh, we, we begin to understand God's uh, sovereign will, or, or at least understand uh, that there is a sovereign will that, <laughs> that we don't have to worry about so much, and understand that there is a, a moral will that we have to a will of command that we have to make a decision about whether we're going to apply it to our life. And then as Christ gives us situations uh, to apply uh, that will of command, as Christ gives us things uh, to do in our lives, situations where we can live for Him uh, and make a, dis- uh, make a decision for us, uh, the next step is counting the costs, which we'll, we'll hit next week. Um, but with that, I just want to say, I, I know it's a confusing thing just talking about uh, the will of God and, and, and how uh, to pursue that will. Um, but I would say just in all humility, honestly, the, the greatest thing that I've found in my own life is just prayer. Uh, prayer is by far above and beyond the, the best way <laughs> to reach Him. He is so faithful uh, to respond to those prayers as you, as you seek Him uh, and ask for Him to reveal um, how, how you can bring Him more glory. Uh, so with that, let's pray. Uh, Lord, we praise you and just so grateful for your goodness and your faithfulness to us, um, your faithfulness uh, to reveal your will to us, uh, to, to show us how we can bring you glory, to teach us, to not just leave us in this place of wondering uh, how you might be glorified, Lord. Um, I thank you that um, you, you are so gracious to us when we realize that we have fallen away and fallen short of the gospel. Uh, and I, I'm grateful that you bring us to this place of humility. Uh, Lord, we worship you and pray that you'd be glorified through our lives and our pursuit of your will uh, in your name. You can find more resources for this service at nhgj.org. Email us your prayer requests to prayer at nh4gj.org. If you are a new follower of Jesus, we have a free resource for you called Following Jesus. To receive a copy, send a request to info at nh4gj.org. If you would like to partner with our ministry through giving, you can do that online at nhgj.org giving or by mail to 641 Horizon Drive, Grand Junction, Colorado, 81506. Thank you for being with us and may the Lord bless you.